When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. DBL, here we are. <laughs> and when I say here we are, I mean we're in our homes, everybody, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But there welcome we to are. DBL, Dad Bandland, the podcast about all the music you love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band. I am Adam Belber, your host. And I am Kevin Burke, your co-host, and Adam is right. Things are different, yet oddly the same this evening. We'll get more into that in a bit, but there's more than just us here, right? There is. Over there on the hill, old man Frank's old place that his son now occupies. It's Brian's House of Wax. Brian Frank, band manager, welcome to the show. And tell us what you're featuring in your House of Wax today. Thank you so much. Greetings from the House of Wax. Uh, Tonight, we'll be discussing... Uh, Sticks is seventh album, Grand Illusion. Yeah, look, and it looks like uh, Kevin's got some vinyl of that too, which is shocking. <laughs> yeah, and by well, the I way, never, I never, yeah, down the What's hill that? from the old Frank place, um, there's a little roadhouse where people flock to in the summertime. It Ooh. is. It contains Jeffy's jukebox, but it's known as Jeffy's icebox. Jeffy, what do you got for us in your jukebox today? That's Jeffy right. It's a, it's it's another cold one, and tonight <laughs> we are gonna talk about our favorite music videos. That is great. Right. I can't wait to do that. That was an inspiration that we had last week after the show. Back then, inspiration we were together. that Kyle gave to us. Inspiration yes. by we listened to Kyle tell us what we should do, and we Kyle, said, inspirado, idea, Kyle. little inspirado. Yeah. Kyle was the one who had the idea. One. Um, but that was back when we were together. We're not together tonight, and here's what? why. Yeah. What happened? We, what we what are, happened? No, we are just together. We are That's back the in the classic format, format, format where we are in individual windows watching each other through Zoom. Why is that, Adam? Why is that? Well, here's what happened. The, the morning after we recorded our last show, um, my daughter tested positive for COVID. And she went through okay. a, a, a miserable time, but five days later was clear of it. That was a couple days ago. Um, testing negative, able to rejoin the world. That very morning, I woke up feeling like crap. And guess what? What? <laughs> what, what happened? Did I've got sick? full-blown COVID. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So wait a minute. See, I didn't understand this part. So you're saying that when we were together last week, you exposed all of us to COVID. Honestly, I'm what he said is one more step. Well, we're saying once, you're saying that you and I took a long drive after last week to get in and out burger because we didn't eat in the car, closed car. So, so I was just in an incubator, an Adam Felber incubator is what I was I would say in. neither of those things are true, and I'll tell you why. Uh, what? Are you a um, scientist? Yeah, I am. In fact, yeah. Um, I'm a scientist <laughs> with a degree in everything. But here's the are thing. Are you Batman? Here's the thing. Yeah. At the time when um, Kevin and I were in the car together, he had a daughter with COVID, not me. Sure. Oh. That's true. So, and oh. then here's so the next you took, thing. you took the risk, but I ended up being the risky. Just to clarify, Kevin, like you, I kept my daughter in perfect isolation, which turned out to be not so perfect. But I tested basically every day and was Yourself. in the clear. Yes, and was in the clear until 
until two days ago. Until one day. So let me ask you this, because I could have had these risks, but I felt no symptoms. Did you feel symptoms and tested, or were you just doing it out of... I was testing out of an abundance of caution. I felt no well, symptoms. Well, we should be testing... I mean, as an aside, we should be testing anytime we're going to be in the same room together. We should be testing that day. Thanks, this Dad. Is so entertaining. This is spectacular. <laughs> <dead laughs> <man laughs> That's no, why. Let me ask this. <laughs> COVID special. This is the COVID special. Last <laughs> week, um, I tested before my root canal before our session, so I, I knew that I didn't wasn't carrying whenever we showed up there, but. Um, anyhow, my question to you is this, because honestly, last week we were this close to even having a rehearsal, like some sort of band-oriented thing after all this COVID shit. Yep. We were there on the cusp, once again on the cusp. On the you cusp. Test, and you, dude. And you, you decided test. you had to get the world the world plague Testing. right on the cusp. Well, look, 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 look here, look here. We, we didn't have a day <laughs> scheduled, all right? Sure. And, and I do want to point out that, that um, although I sound fantastic, I really and do look fantastic. have the and COVID, look fantastic. and I'm gonna be doing my best to keep it together during this recording session. This is I, the if you fall longest asleep. I have sat up in in 48 hours. Oh man! So are you tired? I mean, what, what you, you told me that you were tired. You're having symptoms of lethargy. Are these like COVID symptoms or just adult symptoms? No, 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 no. It's be, because I've been an adult for several years. This is a COVID <laughs> lethargy. It's like sitting up here looking at you guys and your friendly faces. I could fall yeah. asleep at any moment. Oh, and, I'm into uh, this. I'm yeah. into this. There's a, there's, we're, there's we're now that some stakes. compelling to you. There's now, there are now stakes to this episode. At any minute, you could fall asleep. We have a ticking yeah, clock. Yeah, I'm feeling it. Yep. Yeah. All right, good. Yeah. Well, we better hurry we're up because you're going to fall asleep. But I'm going to say this. We want to get to playing, and I didn't <clears> think the plague would actually make it into the neighborhood, and it very much has in the last couple of weeks. It's and been rampaging through the neighborhood, for sure, yeah. Rampaging is right. And so far, of the of the podcast, Brian's went down, Adam's gone down. Jeff, you didn't get it, did you? I have not yet gotten it. All right, so it's just us two. We're the last ones. The yeah. countdown's on. There's the actual drama standing. now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right, we're gonna work our Let way through this. Let me say this: it's it's not fun, but it's it's probably a lot better than it would have been a year ago or two years ago. This Omicron thing, I feel like, given time, I can kick its ass. All right, but let's keep rolling along. Um, I sure. want to head over to the ice box. Yeah. Let's head to Jeffy's jukebox. Jeffy's ice box. Yeah. 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 Was that the breakdown? Was the breakdown about COVID? Yeah. The breakdown tonight was about how we don't have a breakdown because there's a plague that's breaking the band down. Hey, Jeffy, what's happening <laughs> yes. in your jukebox tonight? Well, in our jukebox, we're talking about videos, as I said, music videos, as they oh, used okay. to call them. Yeah, right, right. I don't know if you remember that phrasing. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, in the, in the MTV heyday, when, uh, or the Friday night videos heyday, if you didn't have cable. Or night um, flights. Am I dating myself? I don't know. This whole, Have this you whole asked thing yourself dates at all? me. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. Jeffy, uh, you're older than 20? Wait, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the first video I'd like to discuss is um, the Thriller video, Michael Jackson. That's going to be one of your favorites. That's going to be one of my favorites. It all just, right. it had so much hype. And, of course, you know, the album... I think a few people had heard of it by the time the titular single came out. And yes, it was not the first single was, of the album by, by a no, long no. shot. No, people had, people had also heard of Michael Jackson at that point. A few. And, um, 
And let me, let me you know, uh, break, break something down for the younger people here. It was a big deal uh, in the in whatever year that was, 1983. Four. I, I think it was 80, I think 84 was the video. 1984. Yeah, that, I think um, so. Michael a new video from his album. He'd already had two big video hits from, from his album, but it was going to be a short film directed by John, John Landis. Landis. John Landis, John yeah. Landis. And so there was going to be a just music version of it and, and a giant, like, 15, 20-minute uh, event version of it. And both of those hit at MTV. Take it away, Jeffrey. I just wanted to provide yeah. some historical context. Oh, yeah. And it had, you know, a whole, like, story attached to it, and it was... You know, interestingly shot, and pro I think one of the most expensive videos up until that time, at the time. Um, and uh, I remember just the dancing being really satisfying, and, and uh, you know, Michael Jackson was kind of at the height of his powers at that point. So I would say that's and, true. And can I add, add a little more context on that, too? It's just that, that MTV and that event, whether you liked or hated Michael Jackson, was an important right. part of your existence. Like you it could was an not avoid it. Inescapable event, absolutely. Yeah. It was huge. Inescapable. Well, it it was like whatever whatever would be viral. That was it. Yeah, in the you were watching or you were hate watching. One yeah, of the but two. you knew it. Everyone in your neighborhood knew it. Everyone yeah. knew the song, knew the video. It was completely inescapable. It was the closest we had to a shared experience for for young people or and adults. Well, and that's really the big differentiator to follow Adam on the historical context, nowadays, all music videos are on demand. You can go right. to a website, you can type in what you want to watch, and you can watch it. But if you guys recall, if we can yes. harken back 40 years ago, <laughs> you're at the mercy of whatever was playing on the television at what? that time. And what was so fascinating about that Michael Jackson thing is, I, I don't know if this is accurate, but I remember it to be, basically the first appointment television of the music video era. They said, oh, this is going to premiere at this specific time. And everyone went to watch it at that specific time. I believe oh. that's right. The, the premiere was a major event like the premiere of a new TV show or movie. But, and, and MTV did that then for the next 10 years. But that was, I believe, the very first. You're right. Like, I, that was I the think time so. And like when MTV first came out, like when we first got... Um, or a TV and cable in our house and a VCR. When we would go out for dinner as a family, I would record on a VHS tape MTV. <laughs> right. So that I didn't miss anything. So that when I came sense. home, I would watch to be I, able to I see what I missed. I remember this sensation. I remember liking Thriller, um, the long version, and I liked the short version. But I also remember in subsequent weeks being bummed out when they ran the long version. Because I'd already seen it a much. couple of times, and that meant yeah. no new music videos for 20 minutes. Right. You're fully committed to to the long version. That's a good point. I mean, it's such a weird thing to look back on it. The idea that, and you would see it every day for like a year, and yep. then it pretty much was gone. Then it was gone yep. except for some nostalgia things and flashbacks. These things were on constantly, then immediately disposable and forgotten back then, which is yeah. also a fascinating aspect let's, about Let's it. keep rolling. Jeffy, we were all going to bring two. What's your second? My second is the Dire Straits Money for Nothing video. Oh. All right. Wow. And, That's another uh, classic. Yeah. It just, you know, I believe one of the first prominent uses of uh, CG in uh, what you lay people call CGI. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, what do you call you know, it? This song was great. CG. Okay. Um, I call uh, it ICG. <laughs> I, I, I call it... I call it CDB. DB sees you. I, I call it Siege. Okay. 
anyway, um, uh, you know, funny characters, interesting animation. You kind of hadn't seen anything like it. The song was already good. And, and then they throw, th- you know, Sting doing background vocals on top of that. And so you're Pretty like, great. this is going to be a pleasant experience. And you know what? I, I would say that video also starts what became... <laughs> A pretty brilliant move of, say, older and less photogenic mm. bands, which was yeah. to create a very interesting storyline involving either computer graphics <laughs> or young, a low polygon avatar of themselves. Yes. So that <laughs> was, you don't, have, so you don't have to actually see them. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to actually see the band anymore. You know, um, yeah, I mean, that's a big chunk of the Aerosmith 90s experience was just putting them in the background <laughs> of the of the storyline. Yeah. And that's a, gr- a brilliant move because that's what MTV did, too, is that you had to be good looking. Otherwise, you yeah. weren't going to get on. And Dire Straits was like, we've got an idea. How about we're barely in this video? Not only video that, that killed the video, radio star. That was a song about two characters who were kind of unsavory talking about MTV. It was so yeah. meta. It was really kind it of fun. It was super meta. It was before we knew what to do with meta, because because I yeah. I was enjoying MTV while I was making fun of MTV that I was enjoying at that moment. It was a lot of stuff going on. That's right. Um, For a young child, it was difficult to cope with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, young child, you go next. Oh man, really? Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, I was I was thinking about this era in. Uh, music and music videos and in my life and for me it was like I actually got images of a couple of artists that were like these you know compelling video artists and that I really followed their career based on the videos so it's hard to you know single out a certain video but I I, I'm gonna try you're gonna have to um I'm gonna have to so my first one and I'm already telling you, I'm sneaking in two videos into one artist, but um, <laughs> was the Beastie Boys because uh, the Beastie Boys um, fight for your right uh, to party was so impactful to me uh, when their first record came out. And we, I, I mentioned in a previous episode how I saw them on that first tour. And then when they went away and reappeared and uh, did that Hey Ladies video, which was like the first video off Paul's Boutique off their second record. And, and I think that that's important, that gap. And for people to realize, like, they essentially disappeared off the radar for two years. Like, you know, what Kevin's saying is you saw their videos all the time. And then you saw no videos, no sight of them for two years. And then all of a sudden, there's this new video. They had a completely different look, a completely different sound. The craziest video do you do you guys remember that video yeah i do I remember i remember the video but did that video play like a tenth of the amount of times fight for your right to party played because that's the other thing is it came back different and then they were on weren't on mtv and it was over and that's the thing is like they'd be lucky if it was a tenth of the amount <laughs> but you know the, again i think it was something like they were going to premiere it on yo mtv raps or something like that and i recorded it yo. because mm-hmm. i was like i have to i have to have this and, they have um, they have some other yeah. videos. We asked our fans about this too. We're going to do have a DBL mm-hmm. special coming up, and uh, I think the Beastie Boys were name checked a couple of times because Sabotage later on, one of their finest right. videos, and uh, uh, Intergalactic, a ton of fun. Uh, and they, that's what I'm saying. It's like they're a career video band. You know, yeah, they yeah, really that, yeah, are. Absolutely, it's absolutely. Amazing. All right, what's your? Even though you've done two, what's your second one, Brian? Um, Scoff law, Brian. <laughs> so always bending just, the rules. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, last time I only got one, if you recall last oh, time. I recall that you called three <laughs> ones. Your list, yes. your list was rather long. 
Yeah, yeah. So, okay, this one is uh, of the metal category because that's the other thing I'd say about MTV in this era. Yo! MTV Raps and Headbangers Ball were like two critical programs for me and my musical uh, experience. Um, for me, it was 100% so, 120 minutes. Uh, so my other one is um, one of my personal favorites now. And for some reason, I, I just it captured my imagination when I was a child. The both literal and, and figurative nature of this video, which is um, Judas Priest, Hot Rocket. Hot Rocket. Yes. Well, we didn't know, know there was one. there was there was a lot more going on in that video than we than we realized. That's what we will say. If you haven't seen this video, um, it uh, well, I mean, please I paint a picture with it, words Brian. as we are a podcast. Yeah. yeah. So that's what so I'm gonna say. I, I was about yeah, to do yeah. such a thing. I want I want to hand it Go. to Brian because Brian has probably seen it more frequently than I have. He, he, yeah. So, um, you know, Hot Rockin' uh, is about rockin', mm-hmm. right, as a lot of good rock songs are. Yeah. However, they, they took it literally, and there's a, a great uh, scene with the, um, in a sauna, you know, how you pour the water on the rocks? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's part of the there's video. An there's, extremely hot rocks. Large, there's an extremely large amount of sauna sequences in this in this video i would say that for a metal video there's more sauna sequences than any other metal and who's video in the I sauna see. the members of judas priest or models yes. or no no the members of the band they also uh work out in what appears to be like a holiday in uh gym it's an impressive display and i've got the somewhat repulsive sounding priest... video what about this makes this your favorite the fact that they got away with this. No, I, I agree. I agree. Like, Judas Priest was, was da- supposedly dangerous, and obviously they had a lot of right. concerns. And this video is so preposterous. And I also love, you know, like, one thing I, I will love is, I always love is that Rob Halford came out in the metal community, first of all, all, already pretty much knew and embraced it immediately. Like, there was no Rob Halford backlash. That, that but then speaks be, well for the metal community. It really does. It, because, it very um, much it does. I, one I of honestly the first did, no. recording artists I could remember to come out as gay. Absolutely. And it was in metal, like a notoriously, like, tough guy thing. And metal community, I mean, he was obviously such a literal metal god in the metal community was not an issue. But what I love about him now as you go back and he was not even bothering to hide it. Do you know what I mean? Like there were certain things that he was doing the whole time where he was like, look, I'm right out in the open. You're not, maybe you're not seeing this. We could do a whole show on people not hiding how gay they are and America not getting it. Because there's so many, (laughs) there's so many bands. I have a friend who I used to do improv with in New York who would talk about how he grew up in rural Pennsylvania and there was this group of football players from the football team who went from school to school uh, performing at the auditor in the auditoriums because they would dress up as the village people and do a couple of village people songs. Because they because it was it, it yeah. was it was completely unclear to to middle America <laughs> in the seventies that that they were dressing up as 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 Greenwich Village gay icons. Yeah, I mean it, it is it is pretty amazing, or or just willful, choosing not to believe that's the case, but. Um, but right. no, Hot Rockin' is a classic. It's an absolute classic video, especially with a lot of the other videos are a lot of tropes about heavy metal. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of, you know, a, there's, there's a lot of danger and, and darkness and, and smoke and stage and fire. Speak, and then Hot Speaking Rockin of danger and darkness, let's go right to you, Kevin Burke. Um, oh, look us, at that. You know what? Well, I'm your gonna, two favorite videos. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick right up on, on this metal uh thing because because i didn't have mtv during the prime time for whatever reason it wasn't on my cable so i had friends tape headbangers ball and bring it to me on monday morning 
And so I had a, t- I had a tape of Headbangers Ball every Monday. Um, and I have to say that, I mean, the video, the game-changing video that in some ways ushered in the 90s is the video for One by Metallica. I think that video has to be addressed. Um, On my list. Address yeah, it. Yeah, I... You have I, a list, Brian? You're not allowed to have a list. No more lists. Allowed I'm sorry. To have a I list. always have a list. I always have a list. I'm sorry. Well, it's impossible to believe I'm now list. in context, but like there was a time, now the Metallica is the world's richest and loudest classic rock band. It's, it's hard to believe there was a time that they were so anti-commercial and they had years, almost a decade, of refusing to make music videos. And then in 1989, they finally decided to, and there was a video for one, and one is the um, story about Johnny Got His Gun, the, the film where it's a very anti-war film about a guy who loses his limbs in a war and he's just stuck in his own mind. And the video was clips from that and then them performing Black and White in a Warehouse. And it was absolutely like you, you would watch MTV, which was all color and fire and flames and dancing. And then this black and white brutal video would come on and it was just stunning. And I do, and it was it was sobering, and it was stunning, and it was strange, and people people ended up mimicking a lot of that moving into the '90s when everything started taking itself a little more seriously. But um, one was a game, arguably changer. too seriously. Yeah, I I got to tell you too, Kevin. Like that video really impacted me so deeply because I really put myself in the situation of that guy, and I really gave deep thought to that. Of oh, like, same. What would happen? <laughs> If that happened to you, right, and you were trapped and you couldn't communicate with the outside world, I mean, it was troubling for for. Well, for a it also well, as we've troubling. learned from rock history, what you do in that situation is learn how to play pinball. <laughs> that's that. See, that's the difference, Adam. That that's the difference between Metallica what? and the Who. What? Um, Look what twenty years did. Exactly. Twenty year gap. Kevin, what's your other one? I totally My agree about that Metallica one, video though, because that is that is massive. It is massive. My other one isn't one people think about that often, but for me in the early, to, well, it was 93, it was like a shot of adrenaline that I much needed because guitar rock was kind of getting a little mid-tempo, getting a little jangly, and it's the video for Are You Gonna Go My Way by Lenny Kravitz. When that video starts and it kicks in and he's got that drummer and she's hit, hitting the snare on all fours and he is just being a 90s version of a 70s rock star. And if you remember that video, and I forget who directed that video, but the ceiling of the, the, the stone sort of stage he's performing in has all these lights just moving in these different designs. And it was a pure performance music video, but it captured the excitement and thrill of, of what rock music is at its best. And I think that song, it's a perfect song too, but it was the perfect video to be a shot of adrenaline for me at that time. Now, I want to, I so agree. That is a fantastic video. I want to tell our listeners that we are going to uh, have our usual um, uh, pl- uh, Apple Music playlist attached to this, but I encourage you all to go to, go to YouTube and watch these videos because these are some fantastic choices. Um, that, and that a lot of these, here. again, to Brian's point, they're lost to time. You may not have thought about them in 25 years, and so go back and find them if you haven't. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm such a rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm surprised. I did too, and I I ended up not uh, that deep in the past. I was shocked that um, I thought I was gonna. I didn't go with um, this is America because I thought one of you guys was gonna do it. Childish game. I had it. I had it on my list. Ago. I had it on my list, and the reason I didn't pick it was. I just felt like music videos in the viral area era are different yeah. than they were in the I, MTV I, era. I think that's right, but um. Another thing, another couple I didn't pick were any of those OK Go videos, and the reason is is because almost all of them were name checked by our listeners when we asked them what their favorites are. 
So right. here are the two I went with, and I, I think they'll be on it because they're later in the video era than your your guys's, most of them. Yeah, okay. One of them is um, Kylie Minogue, Come Into My World. That is, oh, of that's all very the great good. music videos made by the great Michelle Gondry, who made most of the White Stripes great videos and, and a couple of other masterpieces. Come Into My World by Kylie Minogue. And I'm not even a huge Kylie Minogue fan. She's an Neither am I, but that's singer. fantastic. It's just one of the best videos ever made. And if you've never seen it, here's what happens. She is singing and walking basically in a circle around a giant plaza in Paris. And she walks by some guy, a guy painting the side of a building. And she walks by a guy you know, uh, delivering a newspaper. She walks by some kids skateboarding. And she does four full circuits around this square. And every time she completes a circuit, another Kylie appears and another one of just about everybody on the street scene appears until it's just a giant chaotic mess. It, it, there's almost no way to describe it. To but describe if you want to see if you want to see visually and conceptually one of the most amazing videos of all time, Michelle Gondry and Kylie Minogue come into my world is about as good as a music video as you'll ever see. And Jeffy, it, apparently, it's just you and me who've seen it. Yeah, it's it's an amazing implementation of technology, the motion control camera. So they have this camera on a rig and they repeat this same move ex exactly over and over and they keep adding more layers to it. It's just nuts. Yeah, it's just CG. A, it's it's uh, there, there's some <laughs> CG trickery may be involved. Maybe CGI involved. Um, I recommend that. And you, you know, you have to you have to say at some point in the late '80s, early '90s, like these filmmakers, these auteurs, started getting involved in music videos and made some of the most incredible things on their way to making movies. The other one I want to name check just because it never gets old. It seems like every kid still knows this video. Is uh, Fat Boy Slim Weapon of Choice? Just classic, a yeah. beautiful yeah. piece of work, and it's just you know you're in the lobby of some giant building. I wish I knew where that building was. It's some hotel, and it's Christopher Walken dancing and eventually flying. It's beautiful. It is a great, it is a great video. And I was going down the list of there's so many great videos made. We'll say in the 2000s, late 90s, 2000s by film directors that to me start to feel like auditions for films. And start yes. start to lose a little bit of their connection to the actual music, and right. it's not that I don't love them, but uh, but going through this, I was like, you know what, I I appreciate them more than ever is the directors that were like, look at this band, look at this song, how am I going to convey this this group to people? I can't tell yeah. you what Fat Boy Slim is or for anything from that music video. Do you know, it's a fantastic music video, but I don't. But it's a strange, it's just a different way of making music videos. See, the styles much, like, much like Gorillaz, that fits the fat boy slim sort of self-cloaking identity that he has. Norman Cook never wanted to be seen. That's why he's fat boy slim. Uh, and, and if you ever see, you know, video of him and how he constructs his music in his little house there. Um, yeah, he, he want, he's almost like a pre-Gorillaz Gorillaz is the way I think of him. Interesting. Hey, you know what else is classic? These sponsors. Dad Van Land will be right back. Dad Van Land! 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. DBL is back. Where are and, we now? Uh, better than ever. And I am fading, guys. I mean, I'm going to make it through what? this no, show. Bring it. Bring it. Do you need an adrenaline hit? I, what do you I, need? How do I get an adrenaline hit? I've got COVID. <laughs> so what, 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 I don't know. Do some lunges. Do some. Do some lunges. Do, do think, something. How do you think he got it, Kevin? Adrenaline. He takes yeah, adrenaline. The last oh, time he got an adrenaline it. shot. Yeah, is that what I got? The needle. I'm not you know, going to do lunges because, no as Brian can tell you, the one of the weird things about COVID, even if it's not deep in your lungs, any small physical activity, like me gesturing right now, is likely to exhaust you. You should stop gesturing. <laughs> I'm into I this. can't. I I'm can't. You should do it. In my general. goal. My goal is to get you to fall asleep before the end of this episode. It might so happen. What's amazing is we've done two episodes with with us goal. having COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, well, the one, the one unprecedented. Yeah, <laughs> one, he was coming down COVID. with COVID and he was like, hurry yeah. up, guys, while he's blowing his nose on the podcast. Yeah. And uh, you sound fine, Adam, but I, but I mean, you fall over backwards in this little window. I'm going to have to text <laughs> yeah, your wife it, to wake you up. We should, we should definitely keep talking about this to extend yeah, the episode. We're trying to get him, yeah, yeah. Trying to, get him <laughs> to fall asleep. Also, I'll let our listeners know a little bit of inside stuff. We're recording our special ep um, about your favorite music videos right after this i think i will be propped up with pillows uh, and, and <laughs> genie doing my voice all yes. right um all right so let's um as long as we're here and i do need to rest i'm panting and there's nowhere to go except this one weird house don't go there and so so i tell Ooh. jeffy and kevin that i need a break i've got the covids we need are you somewhere sure to rest are yeah, you sure? not this house? Let's, is this house worth going to? Knock on that door over maybe there. Maybe the next one. Maybe the next no. one. Yeah, seriously. seriously <laughs> the next dude. one isn't for blocks away. This house, this is, house is sketch. This house is sus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. It's house satisfying every time. It, no, Brian, it is satisfying. Frank. But what's in this house of wax? We got a guy with COVID, Brian. Are you prepared for this? Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how this got to be like a scary thing. We're yeah. talking yeah. about records, guys. It's like well, this now. week, this week's a little yeah. bit, a little bit nerve wracking for me. I'm, I'm not ready to face this. Okay, okay. Let's talk about this. Um, so this week, this week, we have um, Sticks, the Grand Illusion, <laughs> which was. Their seventh album and was originally released on July 7th, 1977. For real. For good luck. Seven, 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 seven. Think uh, about of it. Of course. Of course it was. Right? I'm thinking about it. Think yeah. about it. This one's for Isn't you, it also Jeff, the album that's right Chicago before Boys. Pieces of Eight? It is. Exactly. They well, were witty, these guys. Why do they, they call that one Pieces doing. of Eight, their, their eighth album? Why do they call it that? It's still a mystery. I don't have a wax fact about <laughs> that. Right, get, get to it, Brian. We'll let you talk. Okay. So, um, so the version I listened to this week was the 2015 
180 gram remaster reissue with the printed sleeve and a reproduction of the original poster. And if any of you are gonna go out and buy this record, please seek out the version with the poster because I know this is not a visual medium, but oh boy, that yeah. photo of the band is really special. Um, the back um, cover of the, of the album is really special. Yes. I, there may not even yes. be good photos of this band, but continue. Uh, I, think, I think they think these are good photos, Kevin. <laughs> I think these are the best photos they got in the session. Oh, my um, God. We're going to post that on our socials, I promise, this time. We, we should. Oh, that that so, could um, just be the COVID talking. <laughs> so uh, this is a, a self-produced record. They produced it themselves, and they recorded and mixed it at Paragon Recording Studios in Chicago, which is where they had done all of their previous albums and then some subsequent albums uh, until they moved to another studio. And what I found really um, compelling about that is they stayed in Chicago. They recorded in Chicago. They didn't go to L.A. They've never recorded an album any place other than their hometown. And I wonder... If anyone could tell us out there, how many other bands are like that? I know Wilco is similar, right? They did everything in their studio in Chicago. But how many other bands actually stayed in their hometown, didn't succumb to the draw of an L.A. or New York studio, especially back in the 70s when the equipment was harder to come by and um, you know, not as readily available? Um, I really, uh, I'm impressed did by that. Did they do uh, that for, Chicago boys. for every record or just this record? Every record. This is every record. This is stunning information to me, and I, I will reveal why in a few minutes. But but okay, uh, okay. Yes. So um, this their seventh album was their commercial breakthrough. It hit number six, sold over three million copies, and wow. was the first of four straight multi platinum albums for the band. And I think something to do with that was this is their second album with Tommy Shaw, who uh, joined the band um, just previously. Um, and these sales were really pushed by two massive singles, uh, Come Sail Away, which peaked at number eight. And uh, what most people know is The Angry Young Man, but technically the title is Fooling Yourself, parentheses The Angry Young Man, which peaked at number 29. And uh, even the title track uh, wasn't released as a single, but I definitely knew it from classic rock radio uh, growing up. Um, you mean, yeah, welcome to the grand illusion. Oh, I can't, I can't sing with one. COVID, too, I guess. All right, there you go. That's the one. Can't um, and uh, a, a little wax fact here. Uh, ironically wax enough, uh, <laughs> uh, Fooling Yourself was written by Tommy Shaw about his bandmate, the main lead singer, Dennis T. Young. <laughs> right to his Back face. Back when they liked each other. Right to his <laughs> right, face. Right, watch yeah. this. He stared at him while he was writing that song. <laughs> Right? Yeah. So I wonder how that went over in the, in the band. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and then uh, my last little uh, interesting point, I think, or fun fact, is um, the closer of this album is the grand finale, which <laughs> right. references right. all of the songs on the album, including the lyrics. Again, listeners, please help us. How many other bands have done that? Done like a finale like song? An over, and, an it's like an, and, and done an, an overture. And an overture. Right. No, there have right. been, I know people who have, like Alice Cooper schools out and does it jokingly. This is a sincere overture. This is a. There are no jokes serious. on this yeah. album. No jokes. No. No, no self-awareness, no camp. Let me, let me, uh, I want to, I want to uh, provide context, but before I give my sure, feelings please. about the album, I'll invite Kevin and Jeffy in, but I want to give my context for this because I remember being alive during this period of music history. Now, I was too young for The Grand Illusion when it came out. I was aware of Come Sail Away. 
Um, and then I discovered, uh, you know, when I started buying my own records a couple years later, I discovered, discovered Styx's ninth album, Cornerstone, which I dug a lot. And I thought, I have this great new band that I listened to, and I went and got some of their old stuff. And like a year or two later, they released Paradise Theater. And as much as I tried, uh, as much as I tried to like like it, I think that ripped the cover off. That ripped the mask away. And I started to think, <laughs> wow, if this is that bad, maybe this band is just in general stupid. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. and, then, and it just sent me into this tailspin of, once did you, I like Cornerstone that, that much? Is is the Grand Illusion a good record? What is I grand have illusion? good taste. Or is it a Grand Illusion? Yeah, so then yes. I started listening to it again for the first time in 40 years this week, and I'll continue that thread later. Kevin, Jeffy, step in. I, I, first of all, I want to say that I, yeah, I never had, I never had this record till God, the last 10, 15 years because it was always on classic rock radio. There's certain albums that you don't realize you don't have because they're always in the radio and you don't think you even need them because they're just all, they're yeah. always present. And I was like, I don't even have that record, so I bought it and I can definitely show it to you. I mean, I definitely have what this is the 1977 printed in everyone's basement version of the record that uh, could, should only be played. In a wood paneled basement, so I have the original edition of it, and nice. um, I always thought I enjoyed this record. And then this week, I decided to give it a deep, deep dive, and this was like a reverse Toto. Like I or Toto, I came in <laughs> thinking it would reverse Toto. I want to give us wow. the reverse Toto. Let, you started out hating Toto and thought and ended up loving Toto. For loving Toto. So I remember and then was like, this is like more of an odd odd. And yeah. then I started being like, I've always had this on in the background. I've never, all these songs are pleasant enough, and I generally know them from the radio. So I never just sat down and thought about it. And then I did. And I had some experiences. So I don't know if, uh, if Jeffy felt similar to that, but um, that was my experience this week. Let's well, go to Jeffy. Here's the thing that coalesced for me this week is that we don't live in an age where you listen to whole albums anymore. And listening to music for this show has gotten me back into that mindset where it's like, well, I'm not going to skip through these songs. I have to listen to the whole album. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like Miss America. Because honestly, the first 50 seconds, it's fine. It's fine. And if I had a trigger finger and a short attention span... I wouldn't have made it to the guitar part, and that would have been great. No, it's Miss Tommy America. Shaw and James Young, and they are crushing it together yeah, on this it's, entire album. It's that, I would say this, that song is very much trying to be a, a mid-70s Alice Cooper song, and it's and it's not bad in my, in my experience. It definitely, though, because of the vocals, moves into Spinal Tap territory for me. It moves oh, into... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's yeah, a yeah. whole Spinal Tap thing well, we got to get to. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and, uh, let me kind of, let me, can I just say, okay. I mean, I threw this on, Please. first of all, again, growing, I got into classic rock in the late 80s, and this, this was treated like serious good music, and stuff like Rat and Twisted Sister was, was not considered good, and looking back, this, this is fucking hilarious, because this music is, is equally <laughs> preposterous <laughs> as anything Twisted no, Sister I don't, I don't think did. that's real, when did Rat debut? What's that? When did by when the time did, when when did Rat debut? What years were Rat? rat oh, Rat. Well, rat. Rat starts getting big in '84. So right uh, by '84, nobody liked Sticks. No, but my point is, classic rock radio did and didn't like other. I mean, honestly, it 
this is why, you know, we joke about keyboard and rock. This is why keyboard gets a bad rap in rock music. Is this? Yeah, I want to I want to get right in on that because I sent you a, a, a text about that um, this week. We had an interesting text chain. Um, um, in fact, in fact, <laughs> I wanted to read a couple of them. One of them was you were talking about uh, your your version of it. Like you chose yeah. the original terrible master because you fe- it felt more authentic. And I was starting to listen to it and I said, I question using the word authentic anywhere near this thing. And then, then I, then I, and you said, I meant authentic to the aforementioned wood paneled basements. You said, Dan. yeah. And authentic. I said, yes, I'm hoping for this week to reveal what we should now call the Toto effect. Because at this moment, I am now for the first time in my life thinking, maybe we need a few less keyboards. <laughs> Like, it's true. <laughs> it's true. And I, this, it, this, this does it. In fact, from the very first measure, I almost, I burst out into laughter because I was like, this first measure is like a trumpet fanfare of returning knights or some horse shit. It doesn't even waste any time becoming so preposterous. And then add, add to, yeah, it, 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 that's why I'm stunned. That's what I was going to say earlier. Um, that they're from Chicago. Cause they are trying so hard to be from Arthurian legend, England this oh. entire time. Well, There's hang on. so was, much of that. Yeah. Here's the thing is they do have the medieval twist, but but here's what I'll say. And the conclusion I came to after spending time with this record this week is they are the US Midwest version of Queen. They had the prog rock, the hard rock. So you're just saying you're just saying England is better than Midwest America. And, I think, and in evolved way, yeah. into this theatrical version oh. of all of these combined right. elements. So, so it's I, I theatrical. But minus, yeah. but minus the self-aware camp that makes Queen palatable. Yes. Be- the lack of self-awareness. They're from Chicago. <laughs> that might be right. That, you know what? I'll buy that. I'll say this. Uh, it's not about keyboards and rock. It's that Dennis DeYoung's approach to keyboards is this pompous pseudo baroque noodling like he's, it, like he's fucking outrageous. skipping through a sylvan glade and he i is. just want well, to i just want to I mean, shoot he's, him he's literally lamenting yeah. from castles at certain points so there's oh, yeah. definitely oh, i have to say castle walls if you go to castle walls and i don't know if we can get a needle drop here but i'll leave some space for it because uh, kyle or jeffy would have to find it the castle walls instrumental uh, well i have a I, I have a theory on that too if we can well, I just want to say, ready. Uh, yeah, yeah, but to, to get me to the end of my sentence, the Castle Walls instrumental is, I think, the inspiration for the instrumental dance break in Stonehenge from Spinal Tap. <laughs> it's so close. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to argue. The other, but the other thing on top of this is is that look, I love John Carpenter. I think John Carpenter is a genius. I think he has done so much good in this world musically as well as making films. But I think there's no way, like basically he took the middle section about two minutes and 30 seconds into Castle Walls and turned that into the Halloween theme. He took, it's absolutely straight up the tempo of the Halloween theme. And you can't tell me that John Carpenter did not have a copy of Grand Illusion on his turntable when he was writing the score for Halloween. Was was Halloween 1978? Wow. I think everyone in America had a copy of this. Everyone in America had a copy. Oh and John, so John Carpenter took something Even that was not very didn't good. Have turntables. And he made it. I mean, yeah. if we can listen to, let's listen to uh, Castle Wall's middle section breakdown.
there you go. And then let's listen to the theme to Halloween. Yeah. He owes them publishing no, money. No. He definitely owes them. No doubt about yeah, it. Uh, no now, question. I want okay, to bring I, this full circle. Okay. Well, I have one more thing to point out because we all know, everyone knows Come Sail Away, right? It's a, good, it's a pretty good song, especially got a great ending. You know, it builds up. It's rocking. I never read it's a lot. Aliens, aliens come down. I didn't know that. The last verse, what? aliens come in a spaceship and they go into space. Yeah. I thought it was a metaphor. Well, he thought, well, no, they came down early. He thought that they were angels. But in the last verse, he thought that they were angels. But much to his surprise, they got into their <laughs> spaceship and headed for the sky. I, I thought the I thought this was a metaphor because that's what someone clever would do. And in the la- you can't have two metaphors. So this was no. literal. This was yeah. angels turned he, into. Well, one he, of them was literal. Either the angels or... The aliens. No, but he was, was sailing. Totally a misapprehension. He thought they were angels. He was literally he sailing. In the verse, it wasn't a that's, gathering that's, of angels appeared above my head. No, no, no. I, I know. And that's it. but that's what the angels want him to think. Sure, or the aliens. Were the aliens? <laughs> but but regardless, he's actually on a boat. I thought maybe he was a metaphorical sailor leading us into the rock excitement. But no, he's a literal sailor coming to say, "Come sail with sail with me." Well, and he's saying sail the skies, you know, not, not to the last so verse, Jeffy. Really. No, but he looked, at, he looked at the reflections in the waves, though. You got to understand, yeah. it's, this happened to me the last time dude, I was it's on gra- Dude, it's gravity waves and tachyon waves, okay, man? Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, we should I, I call think it Dennis way too much. You yeah, might need think, to reverse your polarity on that one. Nice. I think you're giving him way too much credit, Jeffy. Well, yeah, I don't believe I, any know, of what I just said. <laughs> I do want to point this out because you did bring up Queen and that Midwest Queen point is very interesting because on Queen's Night at the Opera album, they have another sailing song, which is called 39. And if you don't listen to it closely, you might think it is just a song about some people who set out on an adventure on the seas. But but if you do pay close attention to the lyrics, it's about somebody who's gone away in a spaceship and come back to see that everybody he knows is 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 dead or at least a lot older because of Einstein's theory of relativity. So this so is that's the, kind that's of a the sequel? Everything? Is that, that is, the sequel it, yeah. to this song? They're paired together. They're a pair. No, is they might the be. But, uh, well, I, you know, I gotta, I, can I put one more shout out? Because there's one song on here that when I listen to it, it's the first not, it's the first <laughs> not embarrassing song on the album. And it's also the the last not embarrassing song on the album. And that to me is, is that Man Tommy in Shaw number. It's yeah, man, yeah, yeah. In the wilderness. man in the wilderness. Yeah. The whole time I was I was on the edge of my seat thinking it's gonna go south. At some point he's gonna drop the ball, there's gonna turn to be some Baroque keyboard part. It stayed, it worked. That whole song worked top to bottom. So Man in the Wilderness gets a star from me. I, I think if you give it another sh- shot, you'll hear that Dennis DeYoung does manage to slip in some tootling flutling in the background there. It doesn't he doesn't crash the song like like was, no, he was bound to happen in every other song. So yeah, Man in the well, Wilderness is a legit great song that I don't hear on classic rock radio. That one that's the one that should be played. I, I think just it's a legit good song. But I I, I do want to get to this because I woke up this morning. My first full morning with full-blown COVID, and I felt like shit, and I was like, oh, I got to listen one more time to, to um, The Grand Illusion. You were looking forward on. to it. Not, yes, I was really looking forward to it. So I put it on, and you know what? My COVID-dulled brain accepted all of it. Oh, yeah. Well, for, the, for the 45 minutes that I was listening to it this morning, 
I was enjoying it. So is this and a symptom of long COVID now? Should we I write think, this down? No, no, it's a well-known <laughs> symptom of COVID. It, it definitely does cause you to lose your ten- sense of taste. It causes you to accept your sense of taste. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Uh, it's you a can fucking step symptom. on that punchline. That's price. Wow. It was <laughs> taking too long to get there. That was beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Gorgeous. Wow. Absolutely true, oh. though. As usual, I will be. I will step in as the uh, the apologist here. So you know, uh, growing. I was too young for this as it you know first existed and was not aware of sticks or anything like that until uh, Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. Same way. And um, same. But I did know these songs. You know, I definitely knew. Um, you know, Angry Young Man and Come Sail Away from Classic Rock Radio. And Six was the butt of a joke, really, in the 90s to, you know, yeah. us cool grunge kids. No this doubt. Was, this was not cool. Um, and I definitely, so I had like an ironic, I guess, appreciation for it. But, you know, in listening to it this week, I was like, you know what? This is, I understand why this sold millions of copies. You know, these guys, they, they're good players. They have yeah. this, you know, prog. Nobody element, ever talks about I the like. Penozo brothers or whatever their names are who play the right. bass and the drums. Exactly. They're tight. They're tight. Yeah. No, so then, they're a good band. And yes, they veer into some frilly shirted, you know, medieval. You know, I, well, I think, there's, I think there's a sub market that, that, that there's books are like this at times, movies are like this at times, but certainly music where there's music that's kind of dumb, but it's about smart things and people. There's an audience for that where people enjoy things that make them feel a little loftier than they actually are, which, you know, which might, which is sticks. I mean, it's, it's not dangerous. It's not, th- but you feel like you haven't wasted yeah. your time. You might have felt like you've learned something with their Baroque style of music. It's a little, a little better than listening to the Bee Gees might be, feel to like a rock person at that time. A little more new- I get nutrition. That. All right. So let me just, uh, one more tip for our listeners. You can find it on YouTube, possibly the most unintentionally funny music documentary ever is VH1's Behind the Music episode about sticks. Ooh. It is it is accidentally so, hilarious and I just I could not recommend it more. Okay, thank oh, you. I gotta watch thank it. I have seen it. I know exactly what you're referring to. It is a fascinating <laughs> it's a fascinating section that I really hope is as true as the documentary makes it feel because I that's the kind of shit I love. I know exactly what you're talking about that might have you're happened. You're talking in about the Mr. Roboto thing in the, in, yeah, the, in that stadium that, in Houston. Yeah. As we've talked about before, I love terrible ideas that that crash and burn and that is might be at the peak of that. So watch this documentary. Ooh, yeah. It's outstanding. Very good. Um, all right. And also when you're done watching this documentary, listen to these ads. And dead man land. <clears throat> oh, was that COVID? Hang on. Was that a dry cough? Was that a dry dad cough? Dad man land. It's not as dry as I want it to be. Dad man land COVID <laughs> edition is back. And uh, wow, this is this is fun, everybody. I feel like hammered. Yeah, no. So how, how do you feel? Tell us how you feel. Like uh, we're checking yeah, walk in with us you. through it. If yeah, it's bad. It's but bad. If you, were, if you started, it's if bad. You, start, you don't want it. If you started at a ten, how are you feeling now? I didn't start at a 10. <laughs> <laughs> if you started at a three. Yeah, I'm down to now? like two and a half, two and a half, 2.5. Oh, that's not too bad. Okay, yeah, let's yeah, get this one again, folks. All right, now it's 2.1 because I'm feeling that thing in my head again. Oh, All right, no. but we're, we're rolling, everybody, and this is how much I care about this podcast. It's time for Guilty Pleasures. All right. Yeah. What sort of guilt so, will we uh, feel these, tonight? These are some, well, I don't know if I'm guilty about this song anymore. I'll start. Because I might not be alive by the end of this. Um, 
the last thing and we do. The song, this song was a guilty pleasure at the time when it came out. Now I don't know if there's any reason to be guilty. Yeah, we can't trust your feelings is, anymore, though. The year is 1991. Okay. Um, it is around the time that Nirvana drops. Nevermind. It mm-hmm. is a time when music is turning into the 90s in a beautiful fashion. Over the next couple of years, I would be immersed in all these kind of new alternative bands that were thrilling, like the, the reincarnation of the, uh, well, the reincarnation of Bob Mould in Sugar was a big deal. Sure. Um, Cracker rising from the ashes of uh, Camper Van Beethoven was a big deal to me. Um, everything was dirty, grungy, and loud. Guns N' Roses in Kevin's world was a big, was, was rising. <laughs> it was over by then. And, and then this pop song comes out that is, it tries to, to make the guitar squeal, but it's just so clean that there's no way it fits in anybody's cosmos at that time. Hit it, Kyle. I want to love somebody. You need to be back in the arms of a good friend. And I need to be back in the arms of a girlfriend. I didn't. In 1991, I would not have admitted to anyone how much I would groove to Matthew Sweet's girlfriend. I I I really? loved it. I thought, no, I'm the same yeah. with you. I thought it was a to me. It was a almost a gateway to alternative in the early '90s. I don't know if that really? how, how you felt, Brian. Yeah, I I I wouldn't feel guilty about this one at all. It was like the to me, it was the gateway to the power pop stuff, like Matthew Sweet's "How I Got to Like Big Star" and some of that other oh, stuff. I wasn't aware of that stuff until wow. Matthew Sweet because he was like the lighter side of alternative. I felt the same yeah. way. His his in, in look, my crowd, his, his he was vibe, the light. Yeah. The, in my crowd, he was the lighter, lighter side of alternative. But then again, as we said, I'm a couple <laughs> years older than you. You guys are right, right, teenagers. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, I would have been sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. It it uh, we I didn't know that that to me yeah. he you was didn't know not how uncool you were. No, yeah. but, but there was guitar. There was actual there was actual guitar in it. So I'm like, that's got to be better than most of what I'm hearing. Better than CNC yeah. Music Factory, it's got to be. So that's uh... well easy there. Whoa, <laughs> big fella! That's <laughs> fired. It wasn't right, the Matthew so Sweet we, Music you know Factory. I've got no guilt about that song. You have no guilt. That's a great At song all. then great. and now. Yeah. 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 Well, well good, th- right. then it would have been the kind of thing that I would you know kept to myself because it's the kind of thing that like a sixteen-year-old from Pittsburgh would like. <laughs> Actually, I didn't like it back then, but I felt no shame about it. It was fine. <laughs> Whatever. No, I that's, still don't that's like a it. Good song. It sucks. That's a, <laughs> honestly, and hearing it again, it's a good song. It's still a good song. It's, it's well great. produced. It's yeah. well everything. About He's it. great. The production is so great. great. He's such a it's good fantastic. writer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's amazing. All right, uh, who are we rolling to next? I, I think we are moving on to me, if I'm not mistaken. Um, All right. And so let me give it. Let me give a context to people. Right, it's the '70s. '70s classic rock has, you know, has, has gotten huge, you know. But a lot of the classic rock bands like Led Zeppelin, The Who, Pink Floyd, they're all starting to crash and burn, you know. And who's gonna? How are they gonna carry on the torch? What's gonna come out of this? And in 1984, rising from the ashes of '70s classic rock, came this hit. Honey drippers. When we met, 
Look, I love Sea of Love. <laughs> is, this, uh, is this the second time you've brought off-brand uh, Robert Plant into this off-brand house? Brand uh, it, it, off off-brand Robert What? Wow. You mean on-brand Robert Plant? Here's what I'm going to say is I love Robert Plant and Jimmy Page. This is Jimmy Page as yeah. well. Their midlife crisis at 33 <laughs> is so yeah. entertaining to me where they're like, you know, we know we made Led Zeppelin. We know we changed rock history, but let's go back to what I liked when I was nine, you know, and, and maybe people in the 80s will love this. It is stunning to look. I knew this song on the radio. If you had told me that those were the guys from Led Zeppelin, I would have thought you were out of your freaking mind. But sure enough, it's amazing. It's unreal. And that song still I put it on the other day. It's still great. I have a strange story, though. I bought that record at Amoeba Records for a dollar. I came walking out of Amoeba Records, and Charlie Benante, the drummer of Anthrax, was walking in, and I swear, and this could be me projecting, he we looked at me, looked at my eyes, looked at my record, and then his face just dropped in sadness because he saw that I had bought the Honey Drip <laughs> <laughs> I, I, too, have that record, and, and Kevin, after the show, remind me to tell you the story because I did talk to uh, Robert about the Honey Drippers, and I have a great story to share with you. Okay, uh, I was I was hoping you didn't have a story where I was like I was talking to Charlie Benante and he was going into Amoeba and this dude came and out. This, and this, and this, he was like, "What a loser!" This asshole had just bought Honey Drippers. <laughs> He's paying money you, you on that have, thing. You, you do have to ask yourself though, since they did have a massive hit with it. Like, didn't Plant and Page feel like they'd appropriated enough from Black America that <laughs> they the, have to reach well, reach that, back to this song? That's there's really what, Adam. That's what you don't understand. There's really no limit. Yeah, there's no limit. There's you, no limit. You can why, dig into this. You can just stop? keep going and going. <laughs> why would they stop then? Yeah, yeah. Here's that's a why he had the. Uh, yeah. That's why he had the rap section in Tall Cool. That's one. right. He could by not the, help him by that guy, the keyboardist, <laughs> some guy. <laughs> off brand. I love off brand Robert Plant. I gotta say, that actually includes Robert Plant. Yeah. Yes. This has been 40 years of that Robert Plant, too. I think that's all. I think Led Zeppelin might be off brand Robert Plant, is what we're looking at. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, boy. It doesn't feel that way to me. <laughs> no, but I, I, did, I did really enjoy that song when it came out. I really, really I enjoyed did. it right now, by the way. Really too. makes me want to have Same. a tall, cool one. Hey, yes. The tall, cool one. Hey, uh, which one of you other cool ones is next? It's Brian Frank. Uh, I'll go. I'll go. So um, I'm actually going to stay with the, the theme of this, uh, the House of Wax this week. Oh. Um, so, yeah, this is unprecedented. <laughs> um, in, in listening to this record, it, uh, it reminded me of how this was so not cool uh, in the early 90s, unlike Matthew Sweet. Um, but I, I still loved uh, Come Sail Away. 
And um, I actually have a, a story about this that I, I want to share because, you know, it was a guilty pleasure for me. This certainly sticks was not cool being a, a grunge guy, <laughs> sure. a, a guy covered in tattoos, liking yeah. sticks. And, um, and then what happened was um, in, uh, let's see, it was 2001. So when I was a kid, my dad died of leukemia. And then I had gotten a postcard in the mail from the Leukemia Society for a thing called Team in Training, which is uh, the Leukemia Society. They'll train you to run a marathon and you raise money for leukemia research. And as part of that, um, you join a team, which I did. I signed up to, to run a marathon. And you have an honored teammate, which is someone who's going through uh, treatment for lymphoma or leukemia at the time. And uh, our honored teammate for our team was this guy named Mark Fremid. And he and I became uh, close friends uh, and his wife and my wife. And we got to know him over a period of years. And unfortunately, he ended up getting secondary cancers and um, ultimately passing away. And he knew he was going to pass away. And he was a guy our, our age, you know, he was a young guy. And um, so towards the end of his <coughs> life, you know, we had different parties and things, you know, with him. Like he knew, you know, that this was happening. And at one of these events, um, it's almost like he gave his own little, um, you know, ceremony, like his own funeral, right, with friends and, you know, talking about stuff and whatever. And he had a high school friend because he was a little bit older than, than us. And Come Sail Away was like their song. And he read the lyrics of the song to his friend and you know, the lyrics really resonated with me given what he was going through and what was about to happen and what we were talking about with the angels and the aliens and the future and, and sailing and the uncertainty of life and all these things. And it, it really created this special place in my heart for this song. So this is, is the guilt, guilty pleasure into a sentimental treasure for me. Just a beautiful story, Brian, and thank you for bringing that to us. Well, and that and that just like the thing about criticizing music whatsoever is that it's it's not math, right? There's no right answers, and I always try to think to myself: every song is somebody's favorite song, right? Every song, some even though, even if it feels like everyone hates some song, it's somebody's yep. favorite song. It means something to somebody, and uh, and we have no idea what that meaning could be, you know? But it means yeah. something to somebody. Um, that was outstanding. I wish we could go back in time and unshit on that Stiggs album. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think you make a great point, Kevin. It, it's 
almost every yeah. song, with the exception probably of one eight seven seven cars for kids, is <laughs> a classic to somebody. Uh, you know, I yeah, guarantee I mean, the guy who wrote that song, like he bought a house gotta, with that song, and so it's I his favorite song. I gotta step on that real quick. I gotta step on that real quick. One eight seven seven cars for kids. Whenever, uh, whenever my mom and I would hear that, we would get paid. So see, see what? <laughs> yeah, it was just a thing. We'd hear it on the radio in the car, and, and you get paid. Yeah. Like just like you know, not not from the commercial, but just like indirectly, like money would come in. It was magical. What, what you, into what you your what's pocket? Happening? What's happening? Or, in, like, or into like, your oh, family? It opened yeah, a gateway like, to money. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that <laughs> like wasn't an answer. In a mystical sense, or somebody <laughs> you know. Like what are you a, talking like about? A, You're like saying more of, words, but it's not becoming more clear. Well, like a law of attraction sort of thing, right? Like it was just like one of those things like you hear it like, okay, like you ever heard like if your left hand is itching, you got money coming in or if your right oh, hand is oh, itching. Oh, I see. Gonna, okay. So right. you are saying oh, coincidentally, okay. so, so you're not, coincidentally, you would hear that song and then suddenly you would get a tax refund in the mail. Yeah, you yeah, know, to, like that, that. to to that That's point, what's amazing about this is Adam picked one song he thought for sure <laughs> no one would have a positive feeling about, and it turns out that Kyle made money when he heard that song. You see, he, it just proves the point. He literally, yeah. Every, he literally. Yeah. Wait, yeah, wait, was, I got another. I got another. No, no, I don't. No, um, no I do want to say, Brian, that in the context of one friend. Reading reading those lyrics to another friend, and one of them is in fact about to sail away. That's like the most beautiful fucking thing I've ever heard. I I agree, and the the point I was making earlier about finding out that there were aliens at the end, I thought it only worked as metaphor. It never occurred to me that there was more to it. I, I think as metaphor, it's a pretty stunning song. And if you if you if you connect with it that way, holy shit, absolutely. Yeah, holy shit. We live and we learn. Not sure if I'm going to live, but I definitely learned tonight. All right, everybody, <laughs> send your questions, comments, and your own cover band Where experiences. Jeffy? To Jeffy, we didn't Wait, what about Jeffy. Jeffy? Oh, I'm so, and we haven't even done Kyle's. Just oh, my God, COVID. You got COVID out. brain. COVID fog. Yeah, I got COVID brain. <clears throat> Sorry. It is. I am a little foggy right now. Hey, let's, let's, let's keep go. going. I have no idea who's going to win <laughs> Kyle's crown of shame. You have no idea who's on the show right now. Go ahead and top Brian's. Well, I'm not going to try to top it because uh, <laughs> no, that was it's, yeah, it's, wow, it's untoppable. Um, but I do have a hard rock and hit from 1989 that Ooh. I mean, I'm intrigued. Is, Tell me, I'm intrigued. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> it's and it's got all the things that I try to disregard, but it's got the repetitive, nonsensical lyrics in and check one. And it's got a fucking slamming guitar. Check two. And so the guitar has yeah. to be good done? enough that you don't care about the lyrics. Oh, yeah. Oh, Precisely. yeah. Hell yeah. Hit it, Kyle.
That is Dr. Feelgood by Motley Crue. Yes, it is. Oh, man. From 1989's album of the same name. That drum sound is oh, the most man. absurd drum sound in history. No, that whole record, Bob Rock, that's that. People credit him for the Metallica Black album, but that record. No, I mean, you know what? And we were talking about Guns N' Roses a minute earlier. You're thinking they were good in the, in the early 90s. Like, Dr. Feelgood, that, that sort of fall of 89, that's the peak. After Dr. Feelgood, yeah. nothing in that thing ever got, nothing in that genre was, was that good. Not again. as good as that. No, it yeah. arguably maybe Primal Scream, but the same group of people and the same producer. But man, Bob Rock is killing it. He made Vince sound good. The drums on that record are perfect. It's yeah, a perfectly it's produced insane. record. They're, so they're Jeff, talk about your all, guilt. Um, my guilt comes from the fact that it's just, it's Motley Crue, I guess. Uh, no, yeah. no guilty. No, no, no. And, and Sincere. Again, if you listen to the chorus, he's the one they call Dr. Feelgood. He's the man, one that makes you feel all right. He's the one they call Dr. Feelgood. He's going to be your Frankenstein. Yep. Yep. It goes to show that production and, and killer riff can yeah. make up for almost and, anything. Make up for and, everything. And, yeah. and, and you just, yeah, and I, as a writer and editor, I focus on lyrics often. And so the fact that, the rest of the thing is able to completely banish any disdain I have yeah. for the lyrics is pretty That's powerful. powerful. That's powerful because, you know, from my perspective, there's almost nothing to like about that band as, you know, a you, band. You know, as, we're going to have to go human, on a, As human beings. We as, are going to have to go on like a weekend Motley Crue <laughs> excursion. I'm just going to have to just play Motley Crue. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. Wait, Kevin's going to be Tommy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Adam, you've heard Brandon. <laughs> I know. Hello. It was you're on right. the show. You're right. I mean, with the <laughs> exception of this. Brandon, there's nothing to like about that band. Except for um, everything. No, no, no. Continue. No, I get it. And that is an undeniable riff. And the production is fantastic. Yeah. And now, having absorbed that very diverse crop of guilty pleasures, it is time for Kyle's crown of shame. What do you got, Kyle? All right, so I got a couple of crowns to hand out today. <laughs> oh, two. A few crowns. <clears throat> oh, crowns. Unprecedented. Yeah. Precedented. Precedented. Very precedented. Start with the bad news. Start with the bad news first. Bad news, Adam and Jeffy, you guys are getting the crown of shame. Oh. I love Molly Crew. Yes, so thank you. Guys you. Are, you guys are getting No, that. Adam, Adam, you got to We're going to have to we're gonna have Wait, to what is my what problem. is my crown? Come Why are from? we shameful? Just well, you're, shame. you're Adam. You're getting a co crown with Jeffy because of the Motley Crew comments specifically. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. But I didn't bring Motley Crew into this house. <laughs> Thank you. All right, all right. Now that and is I showed, unprecedented. I showed disdain for them, I, but I, but they overpowered me. Right. True. Yes. True. You know this guilty pleasure thing. I feel like it is an ever evolving concept. Yeah. That we're working nah, with. It is now. It's just like sure. us. But, it's like right. life, Kyle. It's just like life. Just like exactly. just like crew through the various singers. Work in progress. The last, the last crown I gotta give is to Brian Frank, of course. The crown of fame. Because oh. that is one of the most heartfelt stories I've heard in a while. Yeah. Hard I'm hard really agree with you there, to Kyle. That is Wow. Uh, and you know what? That's story. wonderful. It, I love how it's coming through. I mean, there's the unprecedentedness of not only there being a crown of shame for a crown of shame, but <laughs> exactly. for someone who said something wrong. Uh, <laughs> and then well, it's, a it's crown really of for shame someone, in the guilty it, pleasure section. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. really for someone having the wrong opinion, Adam, is what it comes down to. 
It's yeah. not that yeah. you're wrong, it's that your opinion is wrong. <laughs> exactly. We are definitely living in a world right now where the wrong opinion is illegal. So, um, <laughs> let's, let's move on and say to send your questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences to dadbandland at gmail.com. Follow us on all the socials. Dadbandland is produced for now by me. Also by Jeffy Branion, opening music montage by Jeffy. I'm kidding, everybody. I'm on the road to recovery. Editing and Starburns production by Kyle McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. And Dad Band Land, yes, with me, we'll be back next week. DBL! <laughs> DBL! 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 A podcast network.